For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fiskery Soccer here on the Sports Violent Broadcast Network, also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber. It is great to be with you after a full weekend of Premier League action. We have lots of stories to talk about, including the surprising result of the Manchester derby. I think surprising is a good description of it. I have some opinions. I'm going to share them with you. Love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at McGeeber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Or you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Uh, look, I mean, you know, derbies are derby matches. And uh, you sort of have to throw form and um, uh, table position and everything else out the window for these matches. But there was a certain smell of capitulation about Manchester City in this match that if I'm a City supporter, uh, would have me very concerned. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the derby. Uh, let's talk about Everton Football Club getting absolutely spanked by Chelsea. Uh, let's talk about Liverpool getting back on winning track. And, of course, let's talk the bottom of the table where both Bournemouth, Villa and Norwich are struggling mightily right now. And Norwich, after that shock win over Leicester, went back to losing ways with a 1-0 loss away at Bramall Lane to Sheffield United. Let's talk about it all. Uh, Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash history sports talk. Let's also talk about coronavirus and what it means to the game. Uh, lots of news coming out about the Champions League and some of the precautions that are being taken there. All right, um, I'm going to take a break in just a second and be back to kick it off. But before I do, I'd like to welcome to the show all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. What a pleasure and a privilege it is to speak with you as I do each and every day at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on these very networks. Of course, if you're listening on one of our digital channels, whether that's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or the award-winning SiriusXM app, we welcome you to the show as well. Uh, look, make me a regular part of your week, and let's talk global football. There is no better place, there is no better forum, and there is no better time. I'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Street Soccer. Nick Eva with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. And no, I'm not Dan Patrick. I'm Nick Eber. Uh, so I do thank uh, uh, Dan for allowing us to talk the beautiful go global game on his channel. Uh, okay, look, let's get to it, shall we, in the wake of a very busy Premier League weekend. 
Liverpool beat Bournemouth at Anfield. I guess the only shock is that Bournemouth got the first goal, but it was two follow-up goals by Liverpool. Saw them put this game away. Uh, They never looked much like they were going to lose this game. They set a new win record for home victories at Anfield in the league with this match. Another win streak set by Liverpool Football Club, who, as we all know, suffered their first defeat last week in the Premier League to Watford. Uh, Arsenal, the Emirates, get a 1-0 against West Ham United. And I have to say, I mean, watching this game, I am so incredibly unconvinced by Arsenal, I don't know what to tell you. Whether I'm unconvinced by Arsenal, equally as unconvinced by West Ham United, you just never know. And uh, it just is what it is. Not happy with the way this team is playing if you're an Arsenal supporter. And uh, it is just rubbish. They deserve where they're at. And uh, I think their table position is possibly uh, not indicative of the quality with which they are playing. All right. uh, Let's move along to the next game after Arsenal-West Ham United. We have Crystal Palace at home at Selhurst Park against Watford. Uh, Palace uh, beating Watford away, uh, pardon me, at home, one goal to nil. Uh, Was I surprised by this result? No, maybe a little bit because Watford are a good away team. Uh, Palace have been very, very inconsistent, but they do get the 1-0 victory. Of course, we talked about Sheffield United uh, doing a number on Norwich, 1-0 at Bramall Lane. Uh, Sheffield United uh, doing what they have to do. But remember, these are two teams that saw each other on a regular basis last season in the championship. There should be no surprise uh, that they are uh, where they are with the type of football that they're playing, which is great football, afraid of nobody. But I think as the season goes on, we've seen their table position fall uh, quite a bit from uh, you know top four all the all the way down. But having said that, in the last seven games, they only have one defeat, which is uh, pretty incredible when you think about it. And that defeat was to Manchester City. That was only one nil. And for a promoted team to have what uh, seven losses on the season, I think speaks to the quality of the team and the belief they have that they can uh, that they can win and make this season happen. They are certainly not getting relegated, that's for sure. Uh, We can leave that relegation battle to the likes of uh, West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth, Villa, and Norwich, some of the teams that we've just spoken about. On the other side, of course, uh, we do have uh, Southampton, Newcastle going to St. Mary's and getting a 1-0 victory. That is a very big win for Steve Bruce, whose side has been struggling as of late. Uh, I think this will steer them well clear of the drop zone at 35 points now uh, with only nine games left. They are not in danger of going down. And it's been a recovery of sorts. It's been one win in the last five uh, for them. They do suffer two losses in those in those five uh, losses to Arsenal in a, in a big way. And, of course, Palace. Uh, but since that loss to Palace, it's been uh, a draw against Burnley and then this victory 1-0 away at St. Mary's. And uh, interestingly enough, We talk about Southampton, who sort of had this uh, wonderful streak uh, culminating in uh, uh, that uh, 2-0 away victory at uh, Silhurst Park back in the uh, sort of middle part or end part of January. And since that time, though, in the last five games since that, it's been one win and four losses, which has not helped the situation there. But again, uh, they are clear of the drop 
but not by an awful lot. I don't think they can afford to drop any more points, and I think the upcoming game against Norwich is going to be an absolutely massive game for them. They need those three points. And and really, if they if they win that game, Zach Carroll Road, uh, I, I think that's probably mathematically going to seal Norwich in. I haven't done the math, but I, I will do that and, uh, and uh, let you know what the outcome of that mathematical uh, uh, exercise is. All right, uh, some of the other results. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, at home at Molyneux against Brighton. I was very surprised by this, actually, given the way Wolves are playing. I was very surprised that that was a nil-nil. <coughs> Excuse me, I had Wolves winning that game, and they did not. Uh, Burnley and Spurs, look, the problems at Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham go to Turf Moor and get a 1-1, and the problems there just persist with Tottenham. We talked about their injury problems and injury woes. Uh, they are not going away anytime soon. Uh, I think at this point, uh, Tottenham are going to be hard-pressed uh, to find their way into uh, the top five, especially given the current form of Manchester United, which has really been very good. And, and I think we need to talk about this and, and not gloss over it. Uh, let's talk about the last five games with the United. It's been three wins and two draws. Uh, been terrific for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and it sees them up in fifth, fifth place now. Uh, only uh, three points behind Chelsea, but Chelsea, of course, getting a huge result. Uh, look, we, you've got two of the most inconsistent teams in the league here when we talk about Chelsea and we talk about United. Uh, but we also need to talk about that gap between Leicester City and Chelsea and how that's been compressed uh, over Leicester City's not-so-great run of form, uh, really, since, uh, uh, let's say, since January, since, since this year. Uh, Leicester City have, uh, what, only two wins, four losses, and two draws, and, and that's seen that gap at the top that they had such a lot of breathing room really, really be compressed. And let's not forget, there was a time they were second place. They've now been leapfrogged by City, who are now seven whole points uh, clear of them. Uh, so that's a quick run down the league. I think some of the big stories to take away from this week are Everton under... Excuse me, under Ancelotti, and is there disappointment there? Is this a long-term building process? We have to talk about Manchester United and their form. And on the flip side, it is ridiculous not to talk about Manchester City and what I believe, and what by all intents and purposes seems to be a very uh, pronounced capitulation. Uh, and it seems to me that mentally this team is just throwing all of their eggs into the Champions League basket. Uh, so we will see, particularly this week, as uh, the second leg of uh, the Champions League knockout stages continue. Some big matches again to look at this week, uh, not least, of course, PSG Dortmund, which we've talked about and, and mentioning that that game actually is going to be played behind closed doors because of the coronavirus. And I think this is a trend that we are going to see more and more of with games behave, played behind closed doors. And, and, and look, I have to say, if, I don't, if we don't see any marked improvement in the spread of this pandemic, it, it is possible, you know, that next season we might see cancellation of some leagues. Remember, Italy has quarantined a third of their population. How's that going to work in terms of games? How's that going to work in terms of European travel? How's that going to work in terms of travel within Italy? 
What about the Euros this summer? What about the Olympics? I mean, these are all questions that remain unanswered that we're going to somehow have to figure out what answers to. But it does create a lot of uncertainty in the world of sport, much as it does in the financial markets. And I think we're seeing the results of that in terms of your financial indices and their volatility. But we have some very big sporting events coming up this summer. The Euros, of course, the biggest one. The Olympics, uh, for me anyway, I think in terms of global viewership, obviously the Olympics is bigger. Uh, but the Euros are right up there. So two massive sporting events this year. And I think both of them right now in jeopardy as a result of coronavirus. All right, I'm going to take a break. In the meantime, love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Uh, find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. And you can find me here each and every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. All right, I'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. With home security, there's only two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET's Editor's Choice Awards. Look, this Simply Safe, it's uh, it, it's really impressive stuff. It it blankets your whole home in safety. They've got outdoor cameras and doorbells, and they're going to alert you to anyone approaching your property. Uh, they also have entry motion and glass break sensors to guard inside your home. And the best part about this is you can set up this system all by yourself. It only takes 30 minutes, and it also has monitoring. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police in a moment's notice, 24-7. It's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today. That's simplysafe.com. Simply, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash team today, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose whatsoever. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team for your free 60-day risk-free trial with what is, in my opinion, the absolute best home safety system you can possibly get. All right, let's get back to uh, the football, shall we? Uh, You know, we have had so much discussion over this season about Manchester United and their struggles and their travails and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, of course, the uh, disappointed fans and the Glazers. And uh, if you remember, uh, the fans attempting to storm Ed Woodward's home because there was no transfer business. And of course, they brought in Bruno Fernandes for a big money signing. But uh, the situation at United has been completely volatile just about the whole season. And if you remember at the end of January, we had that situation where they lost at Old Trafford uh, 2-0 against Burnley. And you had fans walking out en masse. That was Uh, The third defeat in five games in that stretch. Uh, United was still in fifth place in the table, but it had been a a pretty awful and torrid run for them. But since that time, 
It's been five wins, pardon me, five games undefeated, three wins, two losses, and of course culminating in this huge, this absolutely massive 2-0 home victory against Pep Guardiola's Man City. Manchester United inflicting the double defeat this season on Guardiola's side for the first time, I want to say, uh, against City since Alex Ferguson. I think this is 10 matches unbeaten now for United. This is their best streak since they went 11 without defeat following uh, Solskjaer's appointment back in December of 18. And this game that they won, this Manchester derby, was uh, Solskjaer's 50th game in charge as United boss. And it was the first double over City since Alex Ferguson. So the question you have to ask yourself is this. How bad is Solskjaer? How bad are United? Or has the impatience of United fans been just that? Has it been impatient? In terms of Premier League victories, uh, Premier League records after 50 games, Van Hall had 94 points, Mourinho had 95 points, and Solskjaer has 85 points. But I think it can be argued that Solskjaer inherited what is probably the weakest Man United team of the three. And I don't think it's fair to compare the 10-point differential between the two and say, oh, Solskjaer is notably worse than Van Gaal or Mourinho, because I really don't think he is. I think he's done a good job. I think he's done a conscientious job. I think he has been everything they wanted him to be, which was a steady hand uh, on the ship as it sailed through uh, the stormy seas of rebuilding. And it is still rebuilding, but the likes of Daniel James, the likes of uh, McTominay, uh, who got that last goal, the likes of uh, Bruno Fernandes, I think bode well for the club for the future. If you're a United fan, of course, they've got to continue rebuilding on that. But I think the calls for Solskjaer sacking and uh, massive upheaval at the club possibly were a little premature. Now, on the other hand, I think Manchester United supporters are going to be looking at this. And on one hand, they're going to be absolutely thrilled that the club's record is improving and that it looks very much like they are in pole position uh, to nab that fifth Champions League spot. Of course, keep in mind that there's only four because City won't be eligible. But on the other hand, I know there's a section of Manchester United supporters that are going to say, you know, we were hoping that the rocky road we were on over this season was going to result in more systemic changes in the club, and it certainly hasn't done that. So is this success just papering over the cracks? Is this just prolonging what is a deficient organization? Is it perpetuating the problem? Or does United need a little bit of heavy mid-table mediocrity in order to spur the necessary systemic changes that United supporters are looking for? I'm going to suggest to you that I think changes in clubs 
uh, these days are more process-related and time-related, and I don't think clubs can afford to find themselves like an Arsenal or an Everton, uh, and the list goes on down in the mid-table playing some football. I mean, if you look at Arsenal, I mean, you, what, if you're an Arsenal supporter, despite the fact that you have had a decent record over the last... Um, this year, and it has been a, a unbeaten record so far in the Premier League uh, in 2020. What are your hopes, dreams, and aspirations for your club? I mean, do you think, do you think that Arteta is the right guy to lead the club forward? Certainly, unbeaten this year would suggest it. Or do you look at your club and you say, we have bigger problems in this, bigger fish to fry than just who's the manager, who's the players? The problem is the amount of money that the uh, owners are willing to spend. Is this success in 2020 uh, going to reinvigorate them and reinforce their concepts that they can be uh, the cheapest owners in sport? Stan Kroenke, are you listening? That's up in the air. The question's yours. Uh, only Arsenal supporters can answer that, just like only Manchester United supporters can answer the same question that I'm asking uh, about your club. But it was an impressive win by Manchester City. Pardon me, by Manchester United. And I'm, I, I, I'm not sure. I think it showed to me two things. Number one is it showed that there is a spirit and a desire and a determination amongst the players of Manchester United, or let's say certain players at Manchester United, to make a difference, to play for the badge, to play for the fans at Old Trafford, to not suffer another fan walkout like they did when they lost to Burnley. And that might have been the tipping point for this iteration of Manchester United. But on the flip side, what did it say about Manchester City, who looked toothless, who looked lost at times, who looked uninspired, who did not look like they had the same motivations that their uh, crosstown rivals had to win that game? And it begs a lot of questions about the club a club that has been under UEFA investigation, a club that has been banned from the Champions League now for two seasons, a club that's likely to suffer a points deduction. If I'm a Manchester City fan, I'm pretty concerned because it looks to me like their heart, their soul, their passion is one place and one place only, and that's in the Champions League. And if they don't win the Champions League... Does this club go into a self-destruction mode? Players wanting to leave, managers unhappy, club under extreme financial scrutiny. They're not going to be signing a lot of new players. They're certainly not going to be spending money like they have. Is that what this means? Is this what the future holds for Manchester City? On the other hand, if they win the Champions League, I think it reaches a, a new level of success for them. I think that is really the trophy that they're striving for. And they are in a great position to advance forward in the Champions League. And we'll know more. We'll know the outcome of that this week. But I, for one, watched Manchester City play, and I thought they were the second-best team the entire match. I don't think they ever really, really challenged United in net. I don't think... I, I just don't think they 
looked the champions that they still are. And one side of me wonders how much time Pep Guardiola has left in his tenure there. And, and I know they're talking about coming back, and he said, I'll manage his club even if they're in the championship and all of the above. But I, I just, one side of me thinks that next season we will see a different manager at the helm of Manchester City, whether it's Guardiola stepping aside or Guardiola not. And look, it, it, there are only two ways this is going to go. If they win the Champions League, he will go out on top. And if they don't win the Champions League, they're not going to be able to rebuild the team or bring in what they need to, to do that next season. He will go out and blame the club. Either way, this is it for Pep Guardiola. I'm convinced of that. Love to hear from you. What do you think? Is this Guardiola's last stand? Find me on Twitter, at Nick Ebert, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Uh, of course, you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fist3SportsTalk. Uh, I'm going to step aside, take a break, and I'll be right back with a lot more on Fist3 Soccer right after this. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer. Nick Eber with you on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network on Sirius XM uh, Two Eleven. Dan Patrick Sports. In a uh, very interesting week in football, obviously the Premier League. We've discussed uh, most of the Premier League games. We've talked about some of the big stories: the Manchester derby. We've talked about Liverpool winning, getting back to winning ways, and uh, continuing their run into a win the Premier League, which I, I don't think. I think there's two more games. I think if they win two more games, they're going to win it. But I, I, again, mathematics, not my strongest point. So uh, we will look at that. But some of the other stories, I think, to follow, of course, we have Champions League football uh, this week. Uh, some of the matches that we can look forward to in the Champions League. Uh, again, there are some, some pretty interesting matches coming up, uh, particularly on Tuesday when... Um, Tottenham will go to uh, uh, Leipzig to face Red Bull Leipzig, and they are down currently uh, one goal to nil, with Leipzig getting that away goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And this wonderful story of Atalanta, Atalanta on their first ever Champions League outing, uh, going to Valencia with a 4-1 aggregate victory. We have Liverpool uh, looking to overturn an Atletico Madrid 1-0 advantage on Wednesday at Anfield and PSG Borussia Dortmund, now Borussia Dortmund 2-1, uh, getting the 2-1 uh, victory in Germany, now going back to Paris uh, to top it off. This game will be played behind closed doors. Uh, we're going to have to wait until next week for the Champions League games, uh, Juventus-Lyon, uh, Lyon with a 1-0 victory on aggregate and, of course, uh, this great match uh, back at the Etihad between Manchester City and Real Madrid. Man City holding a 2-1 aggregate lead, getting two away goals in Madrid, now coming back uh, to uh, Manchester to play that game. And then the Wednesday matches are Barcelona and Napoli. And, and that game, interestingly enough, is finally poised at 1-1 uh, with uh, Barcelona getting the away goal. Uh, but Napoli now going to Spain to play, and Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Bayern Munich in the driver's seat with a 3-0 aggregate victory away. Uh, Chelsea going to need to score four goals without conceding to win that game 4-3 and advance. 
uh, beyond the round of 16. Uh, so those are the Champions League matches. But the interesting story is coming out of this uh, match uh, that's going to happen on Wednesday between uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Borussia Dortmund, this match happening in Paris, where it has been announced that this match is going to be played behind closed doors due to the coronavirus. And I have to wonder what that means for the future of football coming into the summer when we have, of course, the Euros, when we have um, the Olympics, and you know, I suppose the football in the Olympics is Olympic soccer, well, you know, if that means anything. I know on the women's side it means something. On the men's side it really means you know, nada. It's basically under-23 stuff. But if they're going to play a Champions League match behind closed doors because they're afraid of coronavirus in France, what does it mean going forward, particularly when you start playing uh, in, in Italy or in Spain? Or back in England, are they going to play these games behind closed doors? And in terms of the Euros, is this tournament even going to go ahead? It would be a uh, first, I guess. Now, obviously, the World Cup was postponed during the World Wars. But even during the height of the Cold War, the World Cup went forward. Of course, if I remember correctly, we did see the Women's World Cup get moved because of the SARS virus. But, I mean, the SARS virus for, was, a, uh, was not nearly as global of a pandemic as this coronavirus seems to be. So it'll be fascinating to see. What do you think? They're going to keep the Euros, play them, or are they going to cancel them? Are they going to play them behind closed doors? What do you think they're going to do? Twitter me, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. I would love to hear from you and get your opinion. Um, at this point, I think I'm not sure which way they're going to go, but I would not be at all surprised if these things do cancel, if this virus continues to go the way that it is. And uh, uh, that would be uh, tragic for sport, but um, possibly from an international health standpoint, uh, the right and prudent decision we will have to see. And by the way, the uh, Serie A getting ready, I think, um, to suspend football and sporting play. I mean, the uh, sports minister saying that uh, Serie A games going ahead with the coronavirus is uh, irresponsible. And you have to wonder if that happens. I mean, what does this mean for the Champions League? What does this mean for uh, the European leagues this season if they cancel the leagues out because of the virus? It is interesting to think about. It is sad to think about. I certainly don't think that's going to have to happen. It's going to happen in England, uh, where, of course, the stories are rampant uh, and everyone uh, loves the league. But we'll have to wait and see. By the way, some of the other stories, and, and we didn't really talk about them in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I, I think there is a great story here in this Chelsea-Everton match uh, that we're not really talking about. And that is Chelsea's run of form. Uh, we, we've, I've said on this show 
on numerous occasions that uh, Chelsea are uh, one of the most unpredictable, inconsistent teams in the league, and that they certainly are. I mean, other than that run of games uh, in uh, September through November where they went unbeaten in five, I mean, this team isn't replicating results, hasn't had a back-to-back win. Uh, they've had a couple of back-to-back losses and back-to-back draws, but, but that's been about it. Now, they are on currently on in the last five games. They've only lost one, and this thumping they put on, this 4-0 home victory against Everton, uh, was surprising because despite the fact that Everton are now down in 12th spot on the table and have uh, haven't won in... Uh, three games. Uh, they are a decent side with a certainly a world-class manager in Carlo Ancelotti and uh, the owners at Everton have put a lot of money into this club and they cannot be happy with their current table position in 12th. Uh, <clears throat> again, we talked about Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Uh, uh, we haven't talked about Frank Lampard at Chelsea. We have spoken about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at United and the time that was given to him. And I, and I think you can say that uh, Roman Abramovich and um, and uh, Marina, I won't even try to pronounce her name, uh, <laughs> that runs Chelsea, have given Frank Lampard uh, the time that he needs, have not lumped a lot of pressure on him, have kept the pressure off him. I mean, look, part of this was there was a transfer ban. We get that. And the transfer ban was lifted. Uh, but there were no really big signings brought in. And uh, I think a lot of this is ownership at Chelsea wants to see what Lampard can do with the players that he has without making a supermassive investment in new players. And my take is, is that he has a very young squad. They've uh, uh, called back everybody that could be called back that was on loan duty elsewhere. And those players are doing a good job for Chelsea, who do look like they are going to be nicely positioned to make another run at the Champions League next year, uh, hopefully with a little bit more success than what they've had this year. I think the European results for Chelsea really are a better indicator of where this team is. I think that you will see some investment in the club in the off-season, provided that there is an off-season, as we just spoke about the coronavirus, provided that normal football operations go ahead. But if they do, I think you'll see them make some strategic investments in players to give Frank Lampard just a little bit more depth. And, of course, they have been you know, stymied with injuries as well. But I don't expect to see any coaching changes there. I don't expect to see any coaching changes at Manchester United. I do expect to see coaching changes at Manchester City. And, by the way, you know, we talk about teams like Manchester City being, quote-unquote, you know, a bit long in the tooth. I think we've all agreed that, that they're probably ready for, you know, a uh, a refresh. I think you can say the same thing about Barcelona and Madrid. I mean, Madrid's in Spain. Their results have been all over the place. They have two wins, uh, two losses, and a draw in the last five. Uh, Barcelona now only uh, two points ahead. And I do believe they lost to, uh, over the weekend, uh, well, Madrid um, uh, lost to Real Betis. And that was a, a shocker of a, uh, of a result for them. 
So you've got the two big Italian, the two big Spanish clubs in rebuilding mode. You've got Italian clubs in rebuilding mode and or the Italian league not playing. You've got Champions League being played behind closed doors. The football world is in as much turmoil right now as the financial markets are. And by the way, Juve beat Inter in Serie A in front of zero fans because of coronavirus. It is an interesting problem and an interesting issue to talk about because the games are never the same when they're played behind closed doors. The atmosphere is not the same. The motivations, the drivers, there's not that 12th man there for you. Coronavirus is going to decimate the European leagues, probably with the exception of the Premier League, if they continue to play to full stadiums. Quite honestly, I think uh, the English will show up to support their team despite the ravages of the coronavirus or the zombie apocalypse. Whether, Whether it's irresponsible or not is not necessarily a position I'm in to talk about because I, I just don't know enough about it medically. And I think we're all just eagerly waiting some sort of vaccination for this so that we can uh, get on with our lives and uh, not have this thing rock our world quite the way it has. I mean, could you imagine th- three months ago, um, did anybody have any inkling that this is where we were going to be? This is really the stuff of movies or more particularly horror movies. But the big question, again, from a sporting perspective is what does it mean for the Euros? And if you're not just talking about football, you know, what does it mean for the Olympics? Uh, I would not be shocked if they cancel the Olympic Games. I would not be shocked if they cancel the Euros. I don't think either of these... Are, right, right now, if I had to handicap these, I would handicap these at about 50-50. But if they're playing league games behind closed doors in Italy, if they're playing a league, if they're playing Champions League knockout round games behind closed doors, they're just trying to get through the season as quickly as they can. And if that's the case, are they going to really kick off a massive global competition like those, like that? I don't know. What do you think? Find me on Twitter at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash history sports talk. We're talking pandemic and sport. What does it mean? Give me your opinion. All right, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to wrap it up. Just a reminder, I'm with you every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6 p.m. Pacific on these very networks. Stay with me. There's more after the break. Sex and drugs All right, and welcome rock back. And roll. Uh, Fifth Street Soccer. Uh, big questions we're asking today. Global pandemic. What does it mean for sport? What does it mean for soccer? I suppose in the big scheme of things, when we're talking about the health and safety and welfare of your family, these things are not important. But that is what we talk about on this show. So that is what we were talking about today. Uh, I give you my handicap. I say it's 50-50 that the Olympics goes forward. I say it's 50-50 that the Euros go forward. 
I wonder if, you know, it's very possible there are odds for this. And by the way, if you're going to place bets on sport of any type, you need to visit my good friends at betonline.ag. They've got great odds on Champions League, on Premier League, on Serie A, on all the big European leagues, and of course, Major League Soccer, which uh, is has kicked off its 25th season despite a potential pandemic. It'll be interesting to see how Major League Soccer responds domestically. Uh, they seem to like to make big statements and respond in a big way, thinking it makes them uh, more important in the world of global football. Uh, would not be shocked, would not be shocked, down the line here, not too far down the line, to see MLS decide they're going to play their games behind closed doors as well, if at all. Something is going to have to be done about this problem and we can all hope and pray that it comes sooner rather than later so that we're all able to resume our normal lives. When a virus affects my sport, that's where I draw the line. I know it sounds a bit selfish, doesn't it? Stupid, but, you know, it's true. All right, that's going to wrap up the show for me. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Hope you will make me a regular part of your week. And join me tomorrow. Until then, have a great night. I'm Nick Eber. This has been Fifth Street Soccer. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.